You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Hey, wow. You know what? The imagination now. Everybody has changed. Now they're getting so uh, creative in terms of their thinking and what they can do. Man, it's, it's, this is the best I've seen. Yeah, when you jump that damn high, you got a lot of time. To up the floor. Reads a drop down. Kobe! Oh! Up high! Down hard! Kobe Bryant! Very deep, yeah. Blocked by LeBron! That basketball will never be the same! So that now has entered the fray. Oh! And welcome back to Hardwood Radio in this holiday season, Ben. Are you ready for Christmas yet? Uh, I am. I'm finishing work tomorrow and I have the luxury of having off from the 23rd to uh, the 3rd. Oh, wow. Which means a lot of basketball. Yeah, lucky including you. Including some Christmas basketball, so I'm very excited for it. Exactly. Tradition. On Christmas, the biggest stars in the NBA usually play. And if I'm not mistaken, it's the Warriors versus the Cavaliers on Christmas Day, no? Yes, the first game since uh, the, the, Finals. Inf- the infamous 3-1 collapse. And I'm <laughs> really curious to see how the Warriors are going to come out because LeBron and the Cavs have been pretty cocky about yeah. uh, about uh, their win. And I think they might have gotten in the head of the Warriors. Well, that will be interesting on, on Christmas Day. We alluded to it last week. It was a CBA. It was like the day before last week's show. So we didn't have a chance to take a look deep into it. We just mentioned like two-way contracts and a little bit of the split. Can you start, Ben, with the, the big highlight points that you found in the new CBA? Yes. Um, before before I start, um, last week the CBA, the CBA was only tentatively agree, agreed on. So it still had to go um through the players vote and the owners vote and today the owners unanimously um unanimously agreed on a new cba so it's going to be a um so it's going to be a very good cba for everybody if people are unanimous on it um the first thing and the most important thing about the cba is something called bri basketball related income um it is it is what the owners and the players are feuding um are feuding about all the time and that's that was a reason of the two earlier lockouts in 99 and in 2011 so what is basketball basketball related income it's income that has to has to uh do with everything basketball related endorsement television deals um uh merchandise sales ticket sales everything that um, generates money is split between the uh, owners and the players 50 50 like the split is described as being 49 to 51 depending on the the players uh, uh seniority but it mostly it's 50 50 and it stays 50 50 um in this new cba like the cba has been described as a a refined version of the old one so i thought that was really interesting and so and so the reason why it uh, stayed um uh the same the, the the bri split stayed the same um is very is very um 
simple. It's been a very, it's been a very uh, big victory for the owners because the players wanted more, but uh, the, the owner convinced the player that um, you guys we got more money, the pie will just get bigger. <laughs> and what they did uh, basically was to rework the meaning of basketball-related income, right? And um, so, first of all, the first thing is salaries will increase from 40 to 50%, which means the superstars in this league will make a crazy amount of money. Um, guys with 10 years of experience and more will start a max contract, like the first year of max contract at $36 million. But what's more interesting um, to me is that the minimum salary will jump from 53, uh, $500,000 $43,000 to 788 grand. So that's, that's like amazing. a, that's 20%. Yes, that's like 20% increase. Yes. Uh, that is, that is uh, immediate. Like that's like valid next season for the, uh, for the rookies, basically for the rookies that just come in the league. Wow. Uh, that's huge. And, You're talking about like, it's a house. Like you can actually afford a house now in your first, with your first contract compared to no, yes. like it's a big, and big increase. And it was described and like and like this is money. It's like a second round pick money. Like like first rounders, like they make over a million. That's for sure. But I like second rounder money. Like a, a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, who is super valuable uh, to um, to uh, Milwaukee, or a Patrick McCaw that is super valuable to the Warriors, w would get uh, like this kind of player will get more money from now. So that, that 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 was very important, and I was very like you said last week. It was very selfless from the players' association to negotiate um, as unilaterally as this. Yeah, because it's um, not for them. Like it's let, let's put names on this. It's not for LeBron. It's not for Chris Paul. It's not for them. It's for the generations coming, and it's very rare in pro sports that you see the top end of players get involved into the union or the association mm -hmm. the way that we have seen in basketball because when it's the big name involved it's just it gives the perception that it's all of us together yes yes that's is really key and they brought um and they brought like like they, they put the sport um the health of the sport and the health of the uh of the workforce of the sport in front of their own um, of their own uh, struggles, which is extremely selfless and extremely uh, smart from them because it ensures uh, the, that the sports that they have a legacy in will keep growing along after they retire. Um, another another uh, um, thing that's uh, related to salaries: the average salary uh, by player should jump. To 10 million by 20, 2021, that the 2021 season, which is um, which is insane. Like just to think that in um, that in um, in hockey, uh, Sidney Crosby does uh, with like seven million a year. So yeah. and like the average, like 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 bench players, like Justin Holiday on the Knicks is going to win earn 10 million a year by 2021. So and that's, that's a like huge. That's only five years away. Not even. That that shows the growth of the sport, and that shows the the health that the sport is in. That like, like players like this can make that much money, and the owners being fine with it. 
Um, Bill Simmons said on his podcast something I thought was really interesting that explains how the how, how healthy the NBA is and why it's so healthy is that the, most of the owners are are new money. They're like tech guys that like made it big, like Mark Cuban, like Vivek Ranadive. They're not they're not old money. They're not like kids that um, that um, that their dads gave them the team or like people that 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 grew up on family money. They're 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 self-made guys. They know how to make money and they know they know what they have is precious. Like that growth and that popularity, they know that it's super precious. Um, the second point I wanted to ask, like this, that I wanted to talk about, is um, another change in the definition of basketball-related income, which is super interesting. The roast, the rosters will be larger by next season. Uh, it's unclear right now that's by one or two spots, but there's going to be a, either 16 or 17 player by NBA team by next season. That means more basketball players will make money. And that means like that they, they will need to get their part of their of the basketball related income, which is really cool. Um, there is a creation of, like these two spots were basically created for what we talk about the two way contracts um, that that allows a player to be like sent back in the D league like a maximal amount of time uh, during the season in order to get minutes. As of things are right now, a player can only be. Uh, sent three times in the D-League before he has to be waived, which is which is very dangerous because uh, some teams lose uh, first-round picks because of that. And um, it is not said, though, uh, whether or not the D-League salary would increase. Not all of the CBA has been announced. Not all of the CBA has been um, has been uh, has been Released, uh, yeah. officialized. So it's not like like right now. The, the players in the, the uh, D-League are make $25,000 a year, which is below um, below uh, the uh, poverty level in yeah, Canada. Yeah, which is $28,000 in Canada. Yes, which which is completely insane to me, which has no no reason. That, there's no reason. That has no reason to be. Basically. Oh, because there's, there, it's probably behind the thinking that it's a part-time league kind of and yes. uh, that's the thinking behind it but uh that's for sure it's going to be a talking point heading into the uh, next few weeks because it, the, the future of it is have your d-league strong as well and eventually makes your nba kind of stronger no and it makes and it makes your income a lot larger too because more like the d-league belongs to the nba and and um, it's a development league for the NBA. So well, like, yeah, but I I, I think we're going to see an evol- evolution of the D League too, right? It's still very new. I think we're going to see eventually where it moves away from big centers and goes back to being I don't want to say community basketball team, but the team of a smaller market, quote unquote, to use the industry terms, to be the big basketball team of that center and become a hub in that center and then use it uh, maybe closer to a NHL, AHL type of relationship. Absolutely. Um, the problem with the D-League right now is that it was created in order to, um, uh, as a successor to the Continental Basketball Association, which was kind of the equivalent of what the D-League is right now, like a, uh, a, uh, a bus, a ride the bus to games kind of league where like a lot of veterans go to die after their skills uh, abandon them and a lot of tro- the troublesome players go uh, try and scrape by and to earn a living. Um, it has to change. 
Um, it's slowly starting to change with teams investing into uh, into D-League's affiliates. The, it's the Orlando Magic uh, who bought last week, I think, the Erie Bayhawks in the D-League, which is which is a fantastic, which is a fantastic move for them because they need to store some of these young guys in the D-League and get their minutes. Um, so, so that's going to be uh, when when all of the CBA is going to be released. That's going to be one of the points uh, to investigate into. It's it's really um, uh, it, it's it's really going to to make a difference if they uh, they enhance the role of the DLA in the NBA. Um, another another uh, another uh, issue that was uh, that was very interesting is that there are uh, seven more there will be seven more days uh, to the NBA season and there will be a shorter preseason. I think the maximum amount of game they'll be playing in the preseason is six, which and right now it's more like from six to eight. That's good because and, uh, sorry to interrupt Ben because a yeah, lot of teams yeah, now ahead. are doing travels as well if you're looking at the raptors they do like a cross canada trip they go to vancouver montreal saskatoon kitchener for their preseason game yes and that's a lot of mileage uh maybe with the reduce of preseason game maybe the players in a way will uh won't have as much travel before the beginning of the season where they're traveling basically half the time anyways well that is like in the greater scheme of things that is why this rule has been adopted in the new cba right um like the players really really hate to play four games in five nights and i think every it happens to every team twice in the season and like everything like it's catastrophic for every team they lose like at least three of these games uh every time and they all they all hate it every organization hated the players hate it the owners hate it because it's not good for the brand so i think they remove one a series of uh, four games and five nights, if not the, if not both, with the, this addition. And honestly, I could use a longer season. I don't know about you, but it takes forever from uh, <laughs> September to the end of October for the season to start. <laughs> and I could be I could be taking some more basketball. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it, in fairness, it's not more basketball. It's just will be spread out a little bit by cutting a few game of the preseason. So we'll have maybe better basketball game, like you mentioned, in those four out of five, or at least better basketball and not as much two and three as well, or uh, back-to-back if that's the case as well. But yes, exactly. And the back-to-backs are never good. And I think also the league tries to limit them at, at home games, uh, not to have like, because yeah. like whenever... Or, or close by. Team, because I, I remember the Raptors earlier this uh, season had a back-to-back, but it was a back-to-back like New York. Like it's it's yeah. not as far as maybe like a L.A. or something. Yeah, New York. New York basically had a back-to-back, uh, two back-to-back this season. One in Charlotte, and one with um, with in Minnesota. Well, that was kind of cruel. That <laughs> was a back-to-back game because there was yeah. one in Minnesota and one at New in New York. Uh, every, team plays like garbage on the second night like they, these guys the guys were completely out of it um the last point i want to touch on the cba is um is uh the pension and health care for retired player and uh a revised health policy for active players um especially for mental health issues and kevin there has been some mental health issues in the NBA in recent years, and um, and 
which which is very interesting because these guys were not able to play basketball consistently and showcase the ability because the policies were not adapted. Um, the first guy is a, a first-round pick in 2012, a guy named uh, Royce White. Um, he was drafted 16th by the Houston Rockets. Uh, and if he and he was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder um, really early, like in his uh, college basketball career, he would have been a top five pick if he would if he didn't have that. And and he's not like this anxiety disorder makes him completely unable to take the plane. Like he he gets scared okay. beyond beyond his rockers uh, whenever he needs to take a plane. So um, so. Uh, Royce White right now is playing in the Canadian Basketball League for London because the Canadian Basketball League, you take the bus wherever you need to go. <laughs> exactly. And he's way too good to uh, play in that league. He's way too... He's, he's, a, he's a point forward, that guy. He, like, he's a forward who can pass. He's, he can attack the basket. Um, he had some tryouts with the Rockets, with the San Antonio... Uh, uh, the Sacramento Kings with the Los Angeles Clippers with the uh, Philadelphia 76ers and every time the issue was uh, he cannot travel with the team and and like that will be revised I don't know how you know, what matter would be revised and maybe even the more heartbreaking um, case uh, for a better uh, mental health policy in the NBA is Gerald Green who is now uh, riding the bench in Boston. He is at, he's doing, I think this is like sixth or seventh team in the league. Um, everybody was wondering what was wrong with um, Gerald Green until last year. He's a super talented guy, super athletic. He can jump out of the gym. I don't know if you remember, but Gerald Green is the guy that blew a candle off a cupcake in the yes. dunk contest and okay, then dunked yeah. the ball. Yeah, yeah. That's him. Okay. And he's not a very he's not a well-known player because he never really could put it together in the NBA except for two seasons in Phoenix. And guess who was the coach who got the best of him? Um, uh, you know him, and you know I love him to Tom death. Tom Thibodeau. Jeff Hornacek. Oh, Hornacek, your favorite coach. Yes, yeah. yes. Jeff Hornacek figured how to use him. But even then, he found his way out of Phoenix. And last year, he had, when he was playing for Miami, he had a psychotic meltdown, which required him to be institu institutionalized. And since, since then, the word in the NBA is that um, he has schizophrenia. And which would explain, which would explain why his case had been covered and why he has been such a marginal player despite all his talent all this year. Like, the, the rumor is that um, Gerald Green has schizophrenia, uh, which would explain a lot. And, like... Yeah, but... Uh, he, sorry to interrupt, but even yeah, yeah. to deeper, in the prior CBA, schizophrenia was probably not even one of the uh, illness or... Um, uh, whatever the word I'm looking for. Uh, you cannot necessarily have compensation for that illness in the CBA the way it was, maybe with the additions that they did this time around, it would be considered uh, something that they are actually helping with now under this new uh, CBA rules. Absolutely. And like, and like he, he when, when he's playing uh, at his best, 
He's an amazing 3 and D guy. He's an exciting dunker. He can play off the ball, and he can be a very good like. But like, he can be a very good contributor to a team. But now you can see it in his eyes. Like he's like, he's not the same guy that he used to be. He he plays 10 minutes a game. He's become an energy guy off the bench. I think he's just happy to play in, in the NBA. In the NBA, and you know, overall, it's a um, it's a very uh, it's a very stressful job. It's a very like a lot of like you're paid a lot of money to produce every night and it's a very stressful job. And like, uh, like, like, yeah, you're paid a lot of money. Yeah. You're, you're rich and you're famous, but it comes with a huge well, price tag. Oh, huge price tag. And if you just go back to, uh, the substance abuse in uh, mm-hmm. professional athletes, the, mm-hmm. a lot of time actually comes from, the pressure, the anxiety aspect of always having to perform, always having mm-hmm. to be on a hundred percent, and you're never hundred percent. You always have uh, nicks and bruises, and you always have uh, something going on. And yes. uh, the anxiety of it has created in the past, before it was diagnosed, before it was treated properly, uh, depression, uh, alcoholism, drug abuse. And now, with uh, better understanding of all this. Uh, better handling of situations we don't see as much and that's for the better but with the new change of the cba like this it's probably even better for the future for those reasons i think it was not correct me if i'm wrong but i think it was marek svatos in hockey that just yeah. got a pill popping habit from his playing days and it eventually killed him he passed away just a few uh, months ago yeah a month ago oh okay okay i probably for reason i thought it was years ago but um, but yeah, like we don't want like cases like this in the NBA. The NBA is very, very conscious of that. Uh, maybe last point I'd, 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 I'd tackle on the NBA. Like it's not, I, I do not want to, uh, uh, spread myself out on this because it's not really clear what the new rules would be, but okay. the, uh, domestic abuse, uh, like I'm very big on this. This is domestic abuse incident policy will change. Um, you know, in the NFL, um, yeah. they, they have an automatic suspension, right? Yes, since the Ray Rice uh, case a few years ago. Yes, and it doesn't even always apply. And the NBA, again, learned from the NFL's mistake. I like Adam Silver is so smart, man. Uh, he'll learn from the NFL's mistake, and he set up basically a new process for the domestic, uh, uh, the domestic abuse incident. Um uh, that will be that will require a review every time. That will uh, require a context every time in order to give an appropriate punishment. Like that, that is very exciting news because um, because sometimes it's very real. Uh, last year, Jeffrey Taylor, two years ago, I think, Jeffrey Taylor from the Charlotte Hornets uh, punched his girlfriend in the face and got 25 game suspension. And today plays for the Real Madrid in uh, in Spain. Yeah. Uh, so that was, but uh, Ty Lawson, I think the same year, was arrested for domestic violence. And it turned out that him and his girlfriend were just having a fight. And she was just trying to beat the crap out of him as much as he was trying to beat the crap out of her. And they just like, nobody pressed charges. They're still, I think they're still together today. And, uh, and 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 it turned out to be like a, a fart in the wind. So there needs to establish context and to be have proper punishment. Like I'm a huge, I'm a huge believer believer in due process, Kevin. I'm a huge believer in the fact that for every problem there's a solution process. Like I hate 
when people get crucified like on the public place like Ray Rice did because he was not properly disciplined like like now Ray Rice has been properly disciplined especially that his wife forgave him and they decided to move on as a couple like like losing your career the way he did to me that's that's a proper punishment and and um like if there's due process there's no drama and if there's no drama there's more sports right Yeah, well, exactly. And if there's less drama, more sports, but not just that, the focus goes on the sports and everybody focuses yes. on the sports and strategies and tactics and the actual sports evolve and becomes better. If you focus on things outside the sport and nobody cares about the sport, the knowledge and the comprehension of the sport doesn't grow in your fan base. They're just talking about who's the latest one who got arrested. You want people to talk about how the game should be played, how it should evolve. That's what's interesting to me at least yes and that is exactly what differentiates the nba from the nfl i, I know i'm a point i like to use the nfl for punching bag but um well it's because they can take it their their uh, their back is pretty large so it fits there's no it's fine you can you can hit them <laughs> but, as long as you want they don't even notice but there are like in the immortal words of vince staples there are terrible people playing football right now Like, like like crazy people. So, you know, I have a theory on that, okay? Because it, it, percentage of crazy people in society, uh, we're not going to put a percentage of it, but it, let's just say it's X percent, okay? And mm -hmm. there's X percent of players. There's X players in and the NBA. But that number of players in the NFL is exponential because you have like 55 per team, <laughs> 30 teams. Mm. That's a lot, a lot, a lot of players. So you'll have a lot of crazy players in those players. Yes, and it's a very uh, it's a very aggressive sports too. It's a sport yes. where like crippling people is encouraged. <laughs> yes, and, I I, uh, I would like offend. I would take offense. I I played football back in my. That's probably the sport I played at the highest level. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, no, you're right. What I was shown and what I was thought to do when I was 14, 15 years old, it's things that are illegal now. So yeah, uh, it has come a long way, but there's still a long ways to go. Pretty much. And there is no place for people like Greg Hardy in professional sports. <laughs> uh, Greg Hardy, Greg Hardy, he's uh, playing for plays for the Dallas Cowboys. Is he still playing for the Dallas Cowboys? I have no idea. And he basically got arrested and condemned in a court of law for throwing his girlfriend on a couch full of AK-47s, amongst other things. He tried to break her arm. Uh, he, he flushed her head down the toilet, like stuff like that. And and the thing is, he went into appeal, and then he paid his girlfriend off in order not to testify. And then the case fell through, and uh, and Greg Hardy could not. Like Greg Hardy could technically uh, play in the NFL again, and like it took another social media outrage on Roger Goodell in order to get him suspended, even after the Ray Rice thing. Yeah. And I think he got less games than Ray Rice. Well, you know how it works, right, in the NFL, and this has to, has to generate into an NFL bashing conversation, but the <laughs> NFL, if they do something and nobody reacts, we're good. If we do something and everybody acts, well, okay, well, we'll adjust. We'll, we'll, we'll fix it. We'll fix it. Give us a second. Give us a second. But, Which is yeah, terrible. Yeah, exactly. You shouldn't be reactionary. You should be precautionary. Those are yes. two different mentalities. And the NBA, maybe because of the NFL's wrongdoing, is acting in a precautionary way. And uh, this word can be used describing majority of that CBA, actually. 
Yes, absolutely. To anyway, to finish, in order to go ahead. Yes, go ahead. I was just going to say, <laughs> no, go uh, ahead. like it, it, it's it, it's our tradition. You have to introduce it. Exactly to finish the show as always. The prospect of the week from Syracuse, Tyler Leiden. Tyler Leiden is a uh, sophomore um, power forward from Syracuse who came in uh, as a hot name into the season. He is right now falling off the board a little bit because he's underproducing. But what you have to know about Syracuse guys is that Syracuse is a college basketball team. It's not a NBA feeder system like Duke or Kentucky. Like they play a selfless and almost a hive mind version of basketball. And they're really renowned for their zone defense, which creates uh, very, some are basketball play, uh, NBA players that are very good and some other players that have a hard time shedding the college basketball style. And Tyler, for Tyler Leiden, it is a crucial year in his development in order to do that. What he can do is that he's a very good athlete. He can, uh, he can finish in the pick and roll. He can finish over the rim. He's a good dunker when he's allowed the space uh, to jump. He's not a very good standstill jumper. Um, he can shoot, uh, he can stretch the floor, which makes him very, very valuable in today's NBA. Um, he's And he's uh, like every Syracuse guy who stays more than one season. He's an extremely smart player. Uh, yeah, which Syracuse is, is a good university. Yes, absolutely. Um, they have been renowned to cheat uh, at sports, like to, to, to cheat at school in order to get the, their guys into sports. But... Yeah. Uh, you really need Swahili in your uh, life career, right? <laughs> so that's an easy credit course. It used to be. Uh, it wasn't. Yes. It wasn't you. It was at the Miami. You uh, in Miami, but uh, you know what I'm talking about. For for people who don't know, um, basically there were Swahili classes uh, given to sports players, like and like you know, air classes. Basketball. Like yeah. nobody can very. There's nobody no, can verify if you've learned Swahili or not. No, and nobody could verify if you were actually in that classroom. If there was a classroom, if there was a teacher. No, it was like two free credits for to give them a little break if they f- fail another class. And I believe in uh, in uh, in basketball, the same thing happened with the Swahili classes in North Carolina University. I think uh, that's where it actually comes from. If because yes. that's where it rings a bell. Now you just mentioned it. I think that's actually where it comes from. But anyway, Tyler Lydon is a very smart player and he's a very smart off-ball defender. And like this is, in the NBA today, this is worth gold. Like knowing where to be on on defense, not being in the way, understanding uh, team positioning. This is worth gold. He's not a very good on-the-ball defender because he's not very strong, which which also makes him not a very good finisher at the rim when he's got the ball. He, he is the, his main problem is that he's not a very good shot creator. He cannot create his own offense, which limits his upside. Like if you want to draft a guy like Tyler Lydon, you need to already have a go-to option in your team. For example, a team that could use Tyler Lydon right now is the Knicks. They have Kristaps Porzingis at center. They have uh, they have Derrick Rose. They have Colin Marmelo Anthony, but they could use. A guy who can stretch the floor right next to Porzingis in order to uh, be even harder to guard. Like whoever Tyler Lydon or Porzingis makes their threes from the perimeter, another guy at the rim. It could be it could be an interesting combination. But but 
if you draft Tyler Lydon, you're drafting a complementary player. I think he's not he's not a rotational player. Like he's not condemned to play in a rotation. Like he could very well be a starter in the NBA. I don't think he could be a great starter. I think he could be a good starter. Um, but he's at his best a third option in offense. But he's he, every team could use a, a smart player like this. Um, in order to give you a comparison, he's a bit is a is a more athletic and physical version of uh, Shane Battier, who won some NBA um, some NBA titles with the Miami Heat a couple of years ago. He can shoot the trees. He can. He's a very smart player. He can. He talks on the floor. So like he he is a Shane Battier type of player. So that's about it for my prospect of the week. That was the last prospect of the week of the year, guys. Yeah, because um, uh, the year is going about to end. Yes, exactly. And we're going to take off next week because we're both, I think, overwhelmed by yes. uh, holiday celebrations. Yes, we have to find and time to actually see our families. And exactly, stop talking about because it. Because like right now, right, right, now, right now, my girlfriend is just waiting for me to finish my <laughs> podcast. And, um, and, so, um, all right, then. So I'll say hi to your girlfriend. We'll talk to you <laughs> in 14 days. And do yes, not sir. miss on Christmas Day, the biggest game of the regular season so far. Yeah, it's that big. It's the Cavaliers, it's the Warrior on Christmas. And Ben, uh, until then, have a great basketball. You too, man. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us sportspodcastingnetwork.com